bringing the world three days and 50 miles closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. Whether walker or crew, veteran or new, join us as we share news and memories from MS Challenge Walk. Hello and welcome to MS Challenge Talk episode number 17 for August 27th, 2012. This is Ken Gaggy, and I'm your host for this weekly podcast in support of the National MS Society Greater New England Chapter's MS Challenge Walk being hosted September 7th to the 9th on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Yes, September 7th. That is next week. We have a Labor Day weekend to plow through, and then it is the week of the Challenge Walk. So all your training and all your fundraising comes down to this. I hope everybody is ready, and I hope everybody is looking forward to this wonderful opportunity to see your fellow walkers and crewmen and to... And to bring the world three days and 50 miles closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. It's not just 50 miles, though. We have about 600 walkers registered for this event, and each of them will be walking about 50 miles. If you do the math, that means we are walking a total of about 30,000 miles over the course of next weekend. To put that in perspective, the circumference of the Earth at the equator is 24,901 and a half miles. So we are walking the circumference of the Earth and another... 5,000 miles to bring the world closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. What other organization would do that? Where else would you find the dedication and the passion to turn the world around to cure multiple sclerosis? That, my friends, is amazing. And we're going to be talking to two amazing people on this week's podcast. First up, we have Danielle Kemp, per usual. She'll give us an inside look at the Multiple Sclerosis Society's preparations for MS Challenge Walk. And then we'll have a second inside perspective at the event, although a unique one at that. Stay tuned as we talk to Danielle Kemp and Sarah Bromley. Back from a one-week vacation from the podcast, we have Danielle Kemp on the air. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> We've missed talking to you. I'm sure you have lots of news to fill us in on. Sure. Well, Challenge Walk is getting close, as you know. And one thing I've been doing on my week off is getting the mailing out to all new walkers and walkers that requested them of change of clothes bags. So veteran walkers know these are the bags that we um, bring to you at the lunch stop. So you drop them off on the first day, second day, um, and then we have a truck where they're available that people put socks in, blister kits, all that type of stuff. But I wanted to tell the new walkers who haven't quite learned this yet, make sure you decorate them so you can pick out your bag out of the sea of change of clothes bags. If you have some funky print on it or something that's uniquely yours, it's a lot easier to find than just looking for your walker number in a sea of manila bags. <laughs> so how does that work? Is there just this swarm of 700 bags? You just have to paw through them all? We lay them out. We try to make it in order of a walker number so it's not just a swarm of bags that people have to find. Like I said, it's easier if you can see something distinctive about your bag that you're not walking through looking for it. And there are usually some bag handlers there to help you out, right? Oh, yes. There are people from the crew that that is just their job. They will help you find it. But decorating it helps a lot more. <laughs> now, you mentioned socks and blister kits. What other sorts of things do you recommend folks put in these bags as opposed to carrying on their person for the whole 50 miles? Actually, if you check our travel and information guide, it has a definite list of everything we recommend you put in your change of clothes bags. Veteran walkers can recommend other things as well. Um, but the basic socks, 
blister kits if you need them. Some people put sunblock in the bags so they can do even more. Some people carry those things on their person. I've known some people to put in a whole new pair of sneakers, but I don't personally think that's necessary. But check the travel and info guide. In addition to the, cha- the change of clothes bag, it lists what you should be packing for the whole event, too. So that's really good list there. And can veteran walkers use the bags they've been using for in past years? Yes. Most veteran walkers, that's what they do. We have a question on our housing form, which is yet another reason why I wanted everyone to fill that out, that asks veterans if they need a replacement bag or if they're using their own. So anybody who requested a new bag, it's been mailed out. You should be getting it quite soon. But if you're a veteran and you didn't request one, we will have some available at the start of the walk if you can't find your other bag. Wonderful. So folks can look for these change of clothes bag at the lunch stop on Friday and Saturday, at the sea camps on Friday and Saturday, and then at the Hyannis Village Green on Sunday. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks very much. That's a great service that makes the walk much easier for our 600-plus walkers. Yes, it does. So this will be the second-to-last time we chat. I will get you on the air one more time. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> okay. Looking forward to right. it. Thanks. Talk to you next week. Yep. Right. Talk Bye. to you then. Bye. I have a very special guest on MS Challenge Talk this week. This week, I'm speaking with Sarah Bromley. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Ken. Now, I understand that as opposed to most of the guests on this show who are volunteers, you're a little bit more than a volunteer with the National MS Society. I actually am a development coordinator for the Connecticut chapter of the MS Society, and I work... I do fundraising and other events um, for the Connecticut chapter. So are you like the Connecticut version of Danielle Kemp? Yes, somewhat. (laughs) Um, She has the Challenge Walk, which is a monster of an event, and I work on many smaller events compared to the size and scope of the Challenge Walk. So how long have you been employed by the Society? Since last February, February 2011, and I came on uh, to work on the walk sites in Connecticut. It's been great since then. Um, They changed the job a little bit, so now I work on walk, bike MS, ride MS, which Connecticut has a motorcycle ride, um, as well as our regional events, which is the Muck Ruckus, and I work on the Challenge Walk. And does your involvement with the Society predate your employment? Uh, Yes, it does. I actually have MS as well, and I had my first walk team when I was living out in California for the Northern California chapter. Um, That must have been 2007, maybe. Um, And then I moved back towards the East Coast, where my family's from, and I ended up working with the Connecticut chapter pretty um, soon after that. I still have a walk team um, that walks in Stanford, Connecticut at the Connecticut Walks. It's a nice family event for everybody. And have you done the MS Challenge Walk before? Well, interestingly, last year I went up for the Challenge Walk as a staff from Connecticut, and I showed up, and the Greater New England staff said, absolutely not, you are not to work. While you are up here, you are to enjoy yourself and become acquainted with the event in general. So I actually lucked out and got to be part of every aspect of this event last year. Untrained, I ended up walking about 35 miles. Wow, that's wonderful. Oh, I couldn't stop myself. It was such an experience that once I started walking, I didn't want to stop. Um, (laughs) Untrained, I probably should have, um, but it was worth every 
painful minute when it was over. I was so pleased that I had been able to participate. Um, I also got to uh, lend a hand at um, one of the rest stops, so I got to be a cheerleader for other walkers. So I basically got the whole experience from a staff perspective as well as a participant perspective, as well as a volunteer perspective. So last year was fantastic. Um, And after finishing last year, I decided I would come back this year with a team. Tell me about your team. It's called Sarah Steele. Yes, Sarah Steele. Um, Last year, I worked very closely with two Connecticut walkers um, to get them to the minimum fundraising limit. And one of the girls, her name is Laura Beth Bailey, and she walks in honor of her father, um, Mr. Steele. And then my team, I was always, um, we kind of combined the two teams, and she and I have created this team of family. So our team is her, and her husband is going to be crew this year. And then my brother, my sister-in-law, my stepsister, and my boyfriend. So that's, it's pretty much a family team. I assume this is different from the team that you had with you in Northern California. Oh, yeah. Northern California had no family out there, so it was just my friends walking with me. And was that a challenge walk you did in California or just a one-day walk? Just a one-day walk. It was my first experience with uh, the MS Society, really. So what is it about the MS Challenge Walk and all the different perspectives you, you experienced on your first walk last year that was so dramatically different from anything you'd experienced before? I would have to say this was the most positive I have felt about my MS since diagnosis. And I know that sounds a little bit odd, but to see all of those people there raising money to help my cause and not just walking, you know, a few miles, but really, you know, 50 miles, your body's kind of not meant to do that. So first of all, watching all of these people walk for my cause um, is just, the most amazing thing. So that was, first of all, it was so positive. Everybody there um, was, it was, you know, instead of asking, I decided to form the family team because it was such a positive experience that instead of asking my brother, you know, do me a favor, go to the grocery store for me. I said to him, you know, you need to do this walk with me so you can see MS in a really positive light. The candle lighting ceremony was like nothing I've ever experienced. Um, I offered the Greater New England chapter some help right before, and they said, no, you're to sit down and enjoy. And within, I don't know, 10 minutes, I was crying hysterically (laughs) out of joy and hope and and love, and it was just the most uplifting feeling, um, which is totally different from any of the other events I've ever been a part of. And to be part of it as, um, I've always mostly participated in events as staff, so to be really as a um, participant was was just such a different feeling at that candlelighting ceremony. It, it was just amazing. Now you said you said you wanted your family to see MS in a positive light. For a lot of people, it's not easy to make the leap to a public event like the MS Challenge Walk. They keep their MS very private, either just to themselves or with their family. Whereas at the MS Walk, you see MS affecting people directly, indirectly, uh, lightly, significantly, and that can be very challenging to see. So what is it that's so positive about seeing that? 
to start at the candlelighting ceremony when you they say, you know, the first thing is light your candle if you have MS. And I did that and I stood up and I looked around and of the thousand or so people in the room, only seven of us or eight of us. <laughs> so few people were standing. And then when they said, you know, if you have a, a sibling or a, a, a child, to see all the rest of the people start to stand up at that point um, was so positive to see that the support that those few people with MS standing first have was just amazing. Um, I also felt like um, on the last day when we all walked together in the end, um, and if you have MS, you wear that orange shirt, and if you don't, you wear that blue shirt. Um, I have a video on my phone that I watch all the time of me just holding my phone up to not see any orange shirts. There were so few orange shirts compared to the number of blue shirts there that you really see the support that people come out for the challenge walk for. Um, in my life, I don't keep um, my multiple floors as a secret whatsoever. Obviously, I work for the MS Society, so I find it um, a real bonus um, as I can empathize and understand what some people are going through. Um, but those without MS, um, I often feel can't get it. So when I saw the, the positiveness of the challenge walk in general for everybody else around me, um, I just knew that, that my family had to do it. And on a side note, um, I did sign up my brother and sister-in-law without really telling them what they were doing <laughs> because I wanted them there. Um, and then after a conversation saying they would join me, I said, good, because I've already signed you up and paid for your <laughs> registration fee. Um, I just I felt it so important that my family see um, the positivity that comes out of this event. I, and it's totally true. I sent an email to my closest friends and my family, and I said, I just went through this amazing experience. This is the weekend for next year. Who's in? And, of course, some pe you know, my brother was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. But I knew he would never be in if I didn't <laughs> give him the push. Um, and that's how the team was formed. So that's how your team building went. Tell me a little bit about your fundraising. As a staff member, are you exempt from the $1,500 minimum? Absolutely not. I will not allow that. I'm part of the team, although I am representing Connecticut, and if anybody needs anything, of course, I will be there for Connecticut people and anybody, to be honest. Um, but I thought that um, since I am creating a team, I would like to make sure that I also raised the same amount of money as everybody else on my team has to raise. So for fundraising, for me, is a little bit difficult because I do have a walk team, a regular walk team, and I do fundraise for that. So in this case, I went out and looked for a grant of some sort. Um, I got a donation from a, um, a, uh, a fund, a, 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 I don't even know what to call it, a fund, and basically what I did is I covered my, um, I got the grant basically. So I covered my um, fundraising minimum because I can't keep asking people for money. And then I split the rest of the grant. It was $5,000. I split the rest up between my team evenly. And then everybody else then has to go finish it up for themselves. 
so um, I've been helping everybody with their fundraising as we go, um, and we're, we're doing okay. We're we're gonna all make it by the time we the day of the walk comes. Um, but because I do have some connections into the society and into um, you know other people who want to give. Um, for me, being an employee here, the best thing to do was to try to get a grant so that um, I'm not continuously asking people for money. Are those grants difficult to obtain? Because from my understanding, they give out only a small number of grants per year or per geographic region. Yes, this was a different kind of grant. This was, um, I used my personal connections, and I basically sent out a letter to um, people I know who have um uh, I don't know what they're called, um, uh, funds where they give donations through. And what I did was I I asked everybody, um, you know, could you give? And I got one big one, and I thanked everybody, and I just took the one big one. Um, so it wasn't really a grant, per se. Um, it was really a donation, but a massive one. It sounds like it came from an endowment or something. Yeah, an endowment. That's exactly what it was. Um, so I, I just sent out a really big email to everybody I knew who would have a connection to one of those um, so that I could ask and try to get every, you know, I did sign up my brother and sister-in-law without their permission, <laughs> in which case I felt the need to give them a hand um, in the fundraising as 1500 is a lot of money. It sure is. So, yeah. So, no, I will. I insisted upon raising that money myself as well. Looking at your team page, it looks like you and some of your teammates have been able to distribute those funds such that you've hit your minimum. So I guess the work is over now. Um, I've not stopped working to help everybody else on my team hit their minimums as well. Um, I still have, we have two children. Um, one of the women we walked with last year from Connecticut um, is on that team as well. And um, her children, I think, are. 12 and 14, if I'm not mistaken. So um, the rest of the team was really, really wonderful. Anybody who goes over the $1,500 is going to donate some of that money to the kids because they're fundraising, and it's just a little bit harder for children to hit that. They're doing stuff um, on their own, but, you know, it's still a huge amount of money. So I I, I really want everybody to be there. Um because I, I really find it such an amazingly positive event that anybody who who has signed up, I really will help them get to that point. Well, it's wonderful that they have a team captain like that who's so supportive and so encouraging in all the aspects, not only fundraising but also training. You mentioned that you did not train last year and you went from zero to 35 miles. How did you do that? I will have to say that's all the crew and the volunteers doing. I didn't want to stop. I wanted to see the next stop. <laughs> I wanted to keep going. Um, it was truly not, um, last year was truly because I was so amazed and just so impressed that I wanted to keep going. I didn't want to stop. I knew I should, but we all know we should stop, you know, <laughs> some things sometimes. But um, I I did not want to stop. Um, I wanted to get to the next spot. I wanted to walk with everybody. I wanted to be part of it. Um, and I didn't realize how much I'd want to be part of it before I got there. If you walked 35 miles last year, what is your goal for this year? Well, the goal was always 50. I 
am not promising that I will make the whole 50, but that's the goal. The goal is to attempt as much as you can do. And how are you training for that? Walking. I actually um, have been extremely busy, so I'm better trained than last year, but still not as trained as I'd like to be. Um, but I still have a few weeks um, to, <laughs> to hope for the best. And, uh, you know, when you see somebody pushing themselves in a wheelchair, the 50 miles, you look to yourself and you say, hey, you could do this. And, you know, or that's my mindset. And so I, I assume that I will, again, be um, motivated by my fellow walkers this year um, and probably overdo it again and happily do that. I'll happily overdo it with a smile on my face. <laughs> and will you feel conflicted at any point during those 50 miles between your roles as just a walker and as an MS employee? Will you be jumping in to lend a hand and pitch in here and there? Well, last year, the fantastic Greater New England staff led by Danielle would not allow me to in any way, shape, or form. I offered at every step of the way. Um, this year, everybody, every walker from Connecticut has my cell phone number. I'm their contact. They can call me at any point. But I've already spoken to the Grid New England staff, and they said that they would really only bother me at an emergency um, if needed. And I keep letting them know, you know, bother me whenever. It's not a bother. So I can't imagine not offering my help because that's who I am. And I've worked on the regional committee to get this going as a regional event. So I can't imagine that I'm not going to offer my help, but I can imagine that the Greater New England chapter will not accept it. <laughs> Besides your own team, how many walkers from Connecticut is your chapter bringing to the event? In the end, we're going to be 28, but two of those are crew. So 26 walkers, including myself. And two crew for 26. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm really pleased with that. And I, I plan to double it. I've been working for next year. I've been working with some people who just couldn't pull it together for this year and they're excited for next year. One of the best things I think that the Connecticut chapter did was send somebody with MS to this event because they now have a cheerleader till the end. This event is truly amazing and I loved recruiting for this event. I loved working with the regional group on this event. I can't wait to get up there in September. You know, I think that uh, I picked the right person to work on this event because, my gosh, do I love it. Well, it's very fortunate that this event has cheerleaders at other chapters like the Connecticut chapter, such as yourself. It's great to know that whether you're with the Greater New England chapter, the Upper New York chapter, like the Hot Pack team is, or your own chapter, we're all working on the same event. We're all working for the same cause. We're all running toward the same goal. And I really appreciate your support. Oh, my gosh. I appreciate everybody else's support. I mean, this is my cause as well, you know. So it's also a double um, a double dip of goodness for me, <laughs> you know. I get to raise money. I get to have my team. I get to recruit others. And I get to help, you know, cure this disease that is our goal for all of us, I assume, you know. Well, it's a team effort. I'm glad to have you on the team. So thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, Ken, thank you so much. This is my pleasure. Thank you for a great interview, Sarah. It was interesting to hear the perspective of an insider at the National MS Society. I hope that all the volunteers listening to this podcast were also able to relate to Sarah's story. Like us, she is challenged to raise $1,500 for the MS Society's MS Challenge Walk. And we have plenty of fundraisers on our event calendar where you can help 
Your fellow walkers raise that amount. Ongoing events this week include dining to donate at the Hilton Garden Inn, Yankee Candle fundraiser, tastefully simple online sale, and Jackie goes for the gold. Not to mention dining at Not Your Average Joe's this coming Wednesday, August 29th. Details for all these events are on previous podcasts and more conveniently online at challengetalk.org slash calendar. The only event we have that's unique to this week is Cheers for the Challenge. This is being hosted by the Rhode Island team of the Road Trippers, which is kept in by Paige McGradden, with whom we spoke on an earlier episode of this podcast. Join them at the Metro Cafe in Providence, Rhode Island at 4 p.m. on August 30th for a raffle, silent auctions, cash bars, hors d'oeuvres, and more. You can also join them in exploring the fun and frivolity of downtown Providence. Tickets are $25 in advance or $30 at the door. Details on how to get those tickets are at challengetalk.org slash calendar. Remember, you can submit your own event there, too. Just look for the big button that says, Submit Your Event. That's all our events for this week and all our interviews for this week. We have one more episode coming up before the Challenge Walk, which is next week. I look forward to seeing all of you on the Cape Cod Rail Trail. Good luck and good fundraising. This has been MS Challenge Talk. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.challengetalk.org.